I was looking uh, earlier when the kids left. I thought, all the adults are getting up and leaving. Where are they going? But they're going to help. <laughs> they're going downstairs to help with our children. And so I'm so thankful for them. And for all of you, I know many of you help as well. You just happen to be up here this week. But uh, we, need, we need lots of help with the kids, right? So we could have a thriving kids ministry if we had more helpers. So please consider helping out somewhere in the church. And I think that would be a good place to start is to helping out with kids and uh, relieve some people so that they can be up here sometime. How has your week been? Good, good. Well, this is the week of Thanksgiving come up. And I know it's difficult sometimes for us to give thanks. Uh, a lot of times there are a lot of difficulties going on in our lives, things that we don't always know about. You know, uh, we share quite a bit in our church family, but I think there's always times where we kind of keep things to ourselves and we're going through difficult times. And it may be difficult uh, for, um, for you to give thanks. I know I would ask prayers for my sister, Sandy. Uh, she's kind of a loner and uh, sometimes stays alone quite a bit. And with COVID and everything else, you know, I, I think she probably needs to get out a little bit more than what she does, but uh, she's, you know, she's fearful, uh, I think, a lot of times as well. So it, I'm sure it's going to be a, probably a difficult time for her this week as well. But we do have many things to give thanks for as well, right? Amen. And we could list them. And I, I thought about maybe having us do that. But we could, we could first of all, thank, uh, be thankful for our church, uh, the building that we have that's been here since 1852. It's been modified since then, but... It's basically been here since about 852, our church family, I am very thankful for. It has become as close as uh, any church family that I have ever had, and I'm very thankful for each and every one of you. And if you're not here, I miss you. <laughs> I sincerely do. Faith, it's so good to have you back here today. Brightens up my whole day to see you come in. <laughs> I, know, I know you're off to college, and I know you can't be here, and I understand that with Holly as well. But it's, it's always a blessing to have you come back, and so we appreciate you very much. We could be thankful for our uh, physical families, and, and we are. We'll spend time with them, I'm sure, despite COVID and despite uh, government authorities who might say, don't be with your family. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to them. <laughs> I'm going I'm to be with my family. We, we, you know, we're, we've been around each other. We know it's going to be safe, so... Although we're not going to have the opportunity to visit with our family up in, uh, in uh, Indianapolis and the ones who are from North Carolina this time. So. But we are going to be with our immediate family. Uh, I'm so thankful for God's word that we have it Amen. and that it's, as Jake uh, alluded to, that it is a guide for us as well as those who are an example for us. But the word of God is definitely a guide for us. And we could go on and on and on and on. But today I wanted to talk about being thankful for our forgiveness. Where would we be without the forgiveness of our sins? We would be in a bad place. That's, that sounds like something that maybe Trump would say, but we would be in a very bad place. But uh, not trying to emulate him, but uh, we need God's forgiveness. And we have God's forgiveness for all who are uh, in the faith and, and understand and believe and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have 
the forgiveness of sins. And it is something to be incredibly thankful for. So we're going to be looking at Psalm 32. If you have your Bible and want to turn there, Psalm 32 is where we're going to be at. Not first, not Second Thessalonians, but Psalm 32. I think in the Black Bible in your pew, it's 462. And we're going to be looking at the Psalms as we have done in the past. Uh, there are 150 Psalms, so this is just one of those. It's, uh, it's, the Psalms are incredible. You know, if, if you have the opportunity to read a Psalm every day, I would recommend that you read a Psalm every day. Uh, they have been written by a variety of different authors. Most of the time we think of David as writing them. He actually wrote about 74 of them, and then 48 of them are anonymous, so he could have written a great portion of those as well. But uh, then Asaph wrote some, Kor the Korites and Haggai, Solomon, Ethan, and even Moses wrote some of the Psalms. So there's different types of songs. There's ones that are full of praise. There's ones who are laments, which are full of sorrows. Some of them are hymns. Most of them have been set to music at one time or another. There are wisdom psalms, there are thanksgiving psalms, and there are psalms that have to do with trust. And one reason why, and I've mentioned this so many times before, that I enjoy the psalms is that David and the other authors tend to be extremely honest and transparent with God in these psalms. I mean, David sometimes just lets it out. You can feel the anguish that he is going through. And he, let, he just lets it out to God, not in a disrespectful way, but he's not afraid with God to let God know what is on his heart and the difficulties that he is experiencing. And the question I have for us today is that, can we be honest with our sin, with God and with ourselves? And Psalm 32 definitely says, yes, we can because we are forgiven of our sins. And so we can be honest with ourselves about our sin, and we can be honest with God about that, and we're going to find out that this is very good for us when we are honest about our sin. I, I once attended a church for several, several years who did not believe in uh, the eternal security of the believer, and I end up, we ended up leaving that church because I disagreed with them on that. And it, it didn't work out well, and I was teaching Sunday school. I was trying to teach it and was not going over very well. So, uh, but one of the things, uh, if, you believe, if you don't believe in the eternal security of the believer, then you're going to have a hard time being comfortable with God and being comfortable with your sin. You're going to either, uh, you're either going to say certain things are not sins, or you're just going to kind of turn your head to the other side and not be honest about what sin is. If we're honest about our sin, we would have to say that we sin probably every day, probably multiple times a day because there are many commandments that are given in the Bible, things that we're not supposed to do and maybe we do them, but then things that we are supposed to do and we don't do them. That's where I come under conviction. We are told to pray without ceasing I don't always pray without ceasing. We are told to witness to people. I don't always share my faith every day or maybe even every week sometimes. And so you have to, you know, if you, if you want to deal with sin and, the, and how it can affect our lives detrimentally, you have to be honest about it. And we can be honest about it 
according to Psalm 32, because our sin are forgiving. And that's why I want to give thanks today for the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and read Psalm 32. I'm going to ask that you go ahead and stand. And uh, we'll read these 11 verses and then we'll pray and you'll be able to sit back down and we'll talk a little bit about how we can be honest about our sin. Psalm 32, a mascal of David. This is David writing this psalm. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Though my groaning, through my groanings, all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with the shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like the horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord, O rejoice, O righteous, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be here and be in this place. We thank you for your word, which is given to us, has been preserved these many thousands of years in the form that you want us to have us. This is the word of God we are speaking about today. His words to us to help guide us in this world which has turned another direction. And so help us to understand this and help us also to go against the grain of culture when it goes against the word of God. Help us to be firm and to stand firm for righteousness and for uh, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. amen. Well, I just love this Psalm as you are seated. Uh, we're going to be taking it kind of close to being verse by verse. So keep your Bible open to it. We'll refer to it quite often. But we do have a need for forgiveness. Amen? Amen. We all have a need for forgiveness. The Bible is very clear that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And basically what that means is that we were created for a purpose. We were created to be God's representatives on this earth and to bring glory and honor to him. So people, the way it should work is that people look at our lives and they see Jesus Christ in our lives and they say, wow, Jesus is someone that should be adored. Jesus is someone who should be worshiped. And so we know the story. We know that shortly after Adam and Eve were created that they fell into sin and they did that by eating of the fruit that they were not supposed to eat of. And it's not just a matter of eating a fruit. It's their attitude toward God. He said, do not eat of this certain fruit. And they, in their rebellion, ate of that certain fruit. And so it's not just about a, uh, 
of fruit, but it's about rebellion against God. And ever since that time, uh, through Adam and Eve, this sin nature has been passed down from person to person, from generation to generation, until it finally gets around to us and we are a sinful people. We're sinful by nature because we are connected to Adam, but we're sinful by our deeds as well. As soon as we are accountable for our actions, we begin to sin. You don't have to teach these nice little ones that are down below us how to sin, do we, Jake or Heather or April? We, do not, we don't have to teach them to do wrong because it kind of comes natural to them. We have to teach them to be good and to be right and to be righteous. And so there is this great need for forgiveness because this sin has created a, a distance between us and God, which our good works cannot cross. We, we think we can do this. We think we can by going to church or we think we can by living a good life or saying prayers or giving money to the church that we can somehow build a bridge from us across to God. But the word of God says that we cannot do that. I've been reading uh, in my reading program in, in Romans chapter 1 and 2 and, and getting to chapter 3. And it's all about people who try to gain God's favor by their good works. And first of all, the Gentiles try to do it. That's what chapter 1 is about. Those who do not have the law and they cannot follow in good works good enough to make their way to God. Then chapter 2 talks about the Jews and how they are given the law. They're given even more information about God and they reject the law and rebel against God as well. And, we, and that's where it comes up to Romans chapter 3. It says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, we cannot make it across this bridge by our good works. And so we are in desperate need of forgiveness and that's when God said, I will reach out to you. And by my grace, I will provide a savior, Jesus Christ, who will bridge the gap and it's through faith in him that you can cross over this bridge and finally be restored in a relationship with God. And that's basically the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. He rose from the dead. He is the bridge between us and God so that we can have a relationship with him. Amen. That's good. That's, I could just stop right there. Right? <laughs> I really got a little more involved in that, but we could just stop right there and, and, and offer people to come to know Christ. And, and that would be a good message. And I do offer that to anyone here who does not know Christ as their personal Savior and, and are carrying this weight of unforgiveness upon your back. You can let that go. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that sack of unforgiveness will fall off your shoulders because we understand that Jesus took that for Amen. us. Amen. But this, getting back to the psalm, it, it talks about a person. It's, it's really David giving a testimony of how his sin was forgiven. In verse number one and two, he said, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. There's several key things in there that kind of all are referring to the same thing. And, and when the author 
authors in the Bible repeat something, it's something that he really wants us to understand. He says that transgressions can be forgiven. Transgressions or sins can be forgiven. And it's not by sweeping them under the rug, right? So, so you may do that in your home. I don't know if anyone does this at home, probably not, but it used to be this old uh, wives' tale, I guess it probably is, that if you had dirt in your kitchen or anywhere else, you could just sweep that up and just kind of look the other way and lift up the rug and sweep, those, <laughs> sweep that under the rug and you didn't have to get out the dustpan and do it the right way, right? So a lot of people think that's what God does with sin, that he can just let sin go so to speak, and sweep it under the rug and hide it, and once it's hidden, you know, you don't have to pay any kind of penalty for that. Well, that's not exactly how Scripture and the gospel works. No, he doesn't sweep it under the rug. He places that sin upon his son's body. And when we took the Lord's Supper, we talked about how Jesus took the bread and the cup, and he takes the bread and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. It was broken in his beatings and on the cross as he was nailed to the cross. And then he says, take this cup. This is the covenant, new covenant in my blood which was shed for you. He shed his blood for us in such a way that those who believe and trust in him can have eternal life. And that's how people are saved. Even people in the Old Testament are saved through the blood of Christ. So David, we know David who wrote this, he's talking about his sins being forgiven. He's talking about them being covered. He's talking about his iniquity not being counted against him. How is that possible for David? Did David sin? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there's no one who has never sinned. David sinned. We know that he first of all, was a commander of the army of, of Israel, and yet there came a period in his time where he got a little bit too arrogant, a little bit too haughty, and he said, I'm not going to go out with the army this time. So his first sin, he was not in the right place. He was not where he was supposed to be. He stayed back home, and as he stayed back home, he's looking out, and he sees a young lady, Bathsheba, and he lusts after her. He lusts after her, and not only did he lust after her, but he, he had people go and get Bathsheba, and Bathsheba, uh, Bathsheba, I want to say this in the right way because I don't put any of the blame on Bathsheba. David was misusing his kingly power, right? <laughs> I mean, you don't say no to the king. And Bathsheba, I'm sure, felt like she could not say no to this. So they had sexual relations, which ended up in Bathsheba being pregnant. Uh, King David continued on in his sin. He tried to deceive everyone into believing the child was not his. So Uriah, the husband, came back from the fight. He tried to get Uriah to sleep with his wife. Uriah was too honorable. He said, I'm not going to do that while people are out on the battlefield in my place. And so David's plan began to fall apart. And he actually had Uriah sent by the commander of the armor, army out in the front of the fighting so that he would be killed. So David, when he writes this psalm about forgiveness, he understands what, what feelings of guilt are like. 
And was it Nathan, right? Nathan who came to him? Yeah, I'm remembering that right. Nathan who came to him and confronted him about this and told a story about a lamb and this one owner was very poor and had this one lamb whom he loved and I think it was a king or another rich man came and took that lamb and killed it. And David said, well, whoever does something like that should be killed himself. And Nathan said, you are the man. This is what you have done to Bathsheba and Uriah, their marriage and their relationship. And so David knows what it is to need and require forgiveness. And yet he writes here, he's, he's writing here that transgressions can be forgiven. Sin can be covered up. Not under the rug, but it's covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And there is a possibility that the Lord will not account iniquity against us. And in, in the very first place, in the book of Romans talks about this quite a bit in chapters 3, 4, and 5, which I'm getting ready to read. But it says, God must be just and holy. And it looks as though, it looks as though David's getting off scot-free. But Jesus didn't get off scot-free, did he? Jesus is the one who paid the penalty for this sin. And that's the reason why this sin can be covered. It can be covered by the blood of Christ because David had faith in his God and he had faith in the Messiah who would come. And so there is this blessing of forgiveness that David experiences. This is what we need to be so incredibly thankful for today because we're just like David. (laughs) We're just like David. We may not have committed the same sin that he has committed, but we have committed sins and rebellions against our God. And so we need this, we need this forgiveness. Verses three and four go on And they talk about the consequences of this unconfessed sin. If we keep sin within ourselves, it begins to work on us, right? It does begin to work on us. Unless, of course, the other option is that our heart is so hardened that we don't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So it's a good thing to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But David said, when I was silent about my sin... Uh, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. He was, he just was incredibly convicted by this sin that he had committed against Bathsheba and being caught in it. He lost strength. Many times when we keep sin bottled up within us, it results in anxiety and worry and tiredness and depression. Uh, Has this happened to anyone or is it just me that's experienced this? (laughs) We experience this, right? It may take different forms. For some people, instead of their bones wasting away, they put on weight. It's not always people who lose weight. I wish it was me who lost weight, but it's not. I usually put on weight. But there's consequences to our sin, and we need to deal with that. We can't deal with it ourselves. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And so verses 5, 6, and 7 speak of God's deliverance from sin. 
The consequences of sin, if you're falling on your handout, can be emotional, spiritual, and physical. We need to confess our sin to ourselves, but also to God as well. God's deliverance from, from sin. God is our refuge and hiding place, amen? He is our refuge. He's the one we are to run to. This kind of seems uh, against what we should do. Many times we feel like if we're in trouble with someone, we run the opposite way from them. But this says that we are to run toward God. And in these verses, David kind of fesses up with himself and with God, and he comes into agreement with God about his sin. That's basically, if you know 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, what he's talking, what the apostle John is talking about in that verse, it says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's, there's a release when we confess our sin. And that's exactly what David did here. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. He didn't try to cover it up by his good works. He acknowledged my sin to you. And we must realize that any sin we commit is a sin against God. David goes on, he says, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my heart. Along with confession, repentance of our transgressions to the Lord, there comes forgiveness of the iniquity in my sin. What's the opposite of being forgiven? Unforgiven, right? To meet God in an unforgiven state is not what we desire, right? We don't want to come that day when we meet the Lord, whether it's him coming, you know, for the second coming or whether it's uh, as we pass and go on uh, to meet him, we do not want to be in that situation. I think I had it marked here in my Bible, a, a verse that we read just a couple weeks ago when we were in, in Thessalonians. Let's see if I still got that marked. Not trying to scare you, but this is the scripture. It's from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. It says, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, and those who do not obey the gospel of Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and away from the glory of his might. That's, we don't wanna be in that group. We wanna be in the group with David who confessed his sin and received forgiveness of sin. He, he, he knows this in such detail that he wants others to experience this forgiveness as, as well. And, that, and that's the same way with us, right? <laughs> we're, not, we're not trying to scare people uh, out of hell. We're trying to love people into the kingdom of God. We want them to have what we have Amen. because we were in the same shape as they were. So he wants others to experience this, those who are sincere in their faith, those who are godly. Sin will not overtake them. And the, the admonition I would give anyone here today is if you've never made this decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't wait. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, 
In a favorable time, I listened to you. In a day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So many times I think people think that they have to clean up, right? You gotta clean up before you can get saved or you gotta clean up before you come church. No, church is a hospital for the sick, right? It's a hospital for the sick. We come to get healed. We don't clean up in order to come to church. We don't have to clean up in order to uh, be saved, but we do have to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I always wonder about this. Uh, this is not my notes at all, but I always wonder about the saying that says, uh, let's see if I can remember it now. God accepts you just as you are. Is that true? <laughs> it's a trick question. <laughs> it's a trick question. In a way, in a way, it's a trick question, right? But uh, in a yeah, it's it's kind of a tricky question because does God accept you as you are? before Christ comes in your life? And the answer to that is no. He does not accept you the way that you are. He accepts you ultimately as Christ is, right? So when we say, does God accept you as you are, that's dependent upon whether you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then if you've done that, then you become the righteousness of God. You are now righteous and you can be accepted by God. And so, but I would tell anybody, you know, you don't have to clean up in order to come to church. God will accept you just as you are and receive the Lord Jesus Christ and then you will have his righteousness. So God delivered David from his sin and he will deliver us from our sin as well. And that weight of that sin, that unforgiveness will fall off our shoulders. But here's the icing on the cake, verses 8 and 9, is that we have the opportunity to have fellowship with the Father. Look at these verses. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Both of these little sections of verse 8 give us a picture of someone who cares very deeply for us. The Father loves us very deeply. He wants to instruct us. He wants to be with us everywhere that we go. He will counsel us. He will give us good advice. And then he kind of steps back a little bit and he says, don't be like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and a bridle or it will not stay near you. So he, get, he gives a picture of the opposite. He gives a picture of someone who's not willing to come to Christ. They're like a horse or a mule, and you have to direct them with a, with a bit and a bridle. It should not be so with us. Let me share a verse with you from, first, from John, Gospel of John. John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Think about this relationship. 
We're not, we're not to be like a horse or a mule that must be steered by a bit and a bridle, but he wants us to be friends. He wants us to have a relationship. We always talk about it being a relationship, and it really is a relationship. He speaks to us in God's word, and we listen to him as we pray, and we experience a relationship. Now, I, I have to be honest with you. I look forward to the day when I see him face to face. I mean, I love to study the words, the, the God's word, but it's, it's work. It is work. It takes effort. You should put in that effort because it's worth it. But I look forward to the day when I can see him face to face and ask him questions and experience an even closer relationship. And so God is our refuge and hiding place. Uh, the forgiven can experience fellowship and friendship with God. And then finally, if you're following your outline, there's a clear choice. There's a clear choice that we must make. God has provided everything that we need for salvation. He's provided for our forgiveness, our redemption, our calling. He's provided for our faith, our repentance. All of those things have been provided for us and we just need to make a choice. We choose God through Jesus Christ or we, do we reject him? My admonition, my strong encouragement to you today is to accept the love of the Father that he has for us and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And for those of you who have done that, be thankful today for God's forgiveness that he has given us in Christ and share that with someone this week. Share how thankful that you are that Christ paid the penalty for your sin and that you have eternal life with him. They might just want that same thing too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for your scripture and we thank you for your Holy Spirit whose presence I feel today. And we thank you that you are working in our lives, helping us to be thankful for the forgiveness that we have and be so thankful that it just cannot stay within us, but it, it just kind of wells up and will spill over to the rest of the world this week. And when people ask this week, what are you thankful for? The first thing that comes out of our mouth is I am thankful for my Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for me that I might have eternal life. And I pray also for those who are here today who may not know Christ. Uh, maybe they've heard about Christ. Maybe they've even heard the gospel before, but they've never really committed themselves to following the person of Jesus Christ and the ways of Jesus Christ, ways of holiness, ways of, of goodness. And so we pray for them today as well that today would be the day of their salvation. We will give you all the praise and honor and glory for, glory for this. In Christ's name we pray, amen.